This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 77. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Welcome to the Positive Psychology of Running. This episode is designed to be useful and perhaps even inspirational for runners and non-runners alike. So if you don't care about running, don't give up on this episode just yet. I felt the same way for the majority of my life. I actually felt that runners were these uber-disciplined robotons who were too fast and too serious to smell the roses. I somehow imagined that if you are that disciplined you are somehow unable to enjoy life, always saying no to everything that tastes good or feels good or doesn't improve your running times. Well, as anybody who has ever been to an, a race can attest, that is not true at all. Now, this is not an episode about the science of running or why you should get off the couch. It's about translating the thinking processes, the emotional management techniques and actions I learned from positive psychology and applying them to a challenge, in this case, long distance running. You can take these thought processes and techniques and apply them to pretty much whatever challenge you want to face. So the mindset changes that helped me get into running. For the longest time, I made the same mistake that a lot of other people make. We think that if you have a good figure, you're fit. Let me tell you that being thin doesn't mean you're fit at all. Fitness is not something that is magically handed down to the select few. This is true about maybe athletic super abilities, all right? So there are definitely people who are, by virtue of their size, for example, they are predestined to at least have a chance, a shot at becoming a basketball player. However, fitness is something that anybody can have unless you have some huge disability that um, limits you to the wheelchair. And even for that, that's not an excuse because if thinking about it, at my gym, there was someone in a wheelchair and she was doing a lot of exercises for her arms, her chest. So she was pretty fit, you can tell, even though she couldn't do it the way we can. Everybody has to work for it. And even if you don't believe you will ever look like a model, it's better to be fit than just to resign yourself and and just be like, oh, well, I'm helpless. I can't do anything about it. So the next mental barrier I had to overcome were the bad bad running memories that I had from gym class. Now, let me tell you that despite being overweight, I always had good grades at physical education and the reason is that we played way more ball games, and I was actually really, really good, particularly at soccer, and we happened to play that the most often. However, the few times we did long-distance running, and with that I mean everything that's longer than 80 yards, it was dreadful. Usually the teachers would decide on one fine day, okay, everybody, let's run in circles for 12 minutes or half an hour and an hour or whatever it was, and... The slowest person gets the worst grade, and that is, from a learning perspective, pretty much the dumbest approach you can take to encourage people to learn a skill. So congratulations to schools who still do this. You can't do it any dumber than that. 
However, I realized that nobody would interfere with my training this time. So I figured, well, it's up to me to structure my training in a way that is not demotivating from the outset, the way that those gym classes were, at least um, when we were running. Then, of course, there is the fear of ridicule and rejection. Now, here I have a bit of an advantage because if you do karaoke, you have to get over yourself pretty quickly. However, when I thought about fear and rejection and I thought, well, as listeners, what would I want you to do to to kind of also get over that fear? And what I did was I looked to my past to see where and when I had overcome the fear of ridicule. And one thing that stood out was learning to dance as a teenager. I was mortified. I kind of had this idea that everybody would look at me and laugh at me and I couldn't move at all. And at some point I was just like, that is such a weirdly narcissistic point of view because people did not pay 20 bucks to go and see me dance at the club like nobody cares and if they care they're actually pretty you know they're pretty sorry themselves because they're clearly not having enough fun to not look at other people and once I figured that out I think I was fine public speaking or even just giving any talk on anything even at school was mortifying to me when I was a kid and a teenager and then one day one of my teachers kind of just told us you know think about it this way just admit if you don't know something and just say to people well I will look it up for you and get back to you and you can be honest and he also told this story about how he had had this huge bowl of pasta for lunch and then His white shirt was completely spoiled with the awesome tomato sauce. And he said, well, he stood in front of the auditorium. He just said that, you know, he slobbered about while he was eating. Everybody had a laugh and afterwards it was no issue. So I was like, huh, you don't have to make yourself feel all those shitty emotions and thoughts. And you mean you can just be honest with people you talk to and and that's it? And basically, since then, I'm pretty relaxed doing any kind of public speaking as well. Now, the mindset changes that enabled me to keep running, albeit pretty infrequently. I knew there were some toxic beliefs that would stop my running journey before it could really begin. It's the only reason to start running. No, sorry. If the only reason to start running is weight loss, it's dangerous because you will only run as long as the weight comes off. Similarly, if you're engaging on any kind of challenge and you have only one set of goal, one goal, not one set of goal, one goal, be it to lose weight, to um, impress someone, to any of these things, that is pretty dangerous because if you only have one reason, it's very easy to destroy that one little reason. And as soon as we don't progress, we will stop with things that are good for us. So if, say, you don't eat properly or your hormones are wrecking havoc, you will immediately stop. And that's why you want to have more than one of these goals. Now, the next mindset problem was 
the fear, no, that's not fear, actually, was expecting too much too soon. We often do this, we get into something and we're like, all right, let's try the four-minute mile, you know, <laughs> makes no sense. Um, we want to make sure that we don't do that. Another thing is that this mindset that it's only worth doing if I am good or great at it. That is true if we feel miserable at so about something, but it's not true if you actually enjoy it, right? So let's say if I would hate running every time I go out, then yes, I should stop and do something else uh, to keep fit because there are about 8,000 other sports that I could try. No need to torture myself there. However, if I think I can only be a runner, I only have the right to be a runner if I'm really good at it, or that is that is another toxic belief we want to get rid of. So is comparing myself to others. And let me tell you, you need to eat freaking humble pie when you start because everybody will overtake you. Established runners, even old people, little kids, and recently, a freaking pug. Comparing progress to others. So sometimes we don't just compare ourselves to others how they move, but maybe they start at the same time that we do, and then we get frustrated that they maybe move more quicker than we do. Again, we can, of course, do that. However, it's really not helpful, and it's the kind of thing that you want to overcome to be able to stick with anything that you're trying to do. Another hurdle is judging the value of the training session based on metrics. So it's worthless unless I reached my target time. It's not. So these are a few of the healthy, healthy antidotes to these beliefs. Number one is a growth mindset. So according to growth mindset, you need to practice no matter how talented you are. Failure only occurs if you don't learn the lessons that come within your training. The focus is on the journey from being a beginner to reaching mastery. And if you win on the way, that's cool, but it's not essential. It's not conditional whether we continue or not. Another helpful mindset is a curious scientist mindset. Goal times and records are for those who have been in the game long enough to be able to make good decisions about what goals they should focus on. When you're a beginner, you want to be like a scientist who's just finding out about how things are and just taking notes and looking around and being like, oh, all right, this is what's happening. Oh, okay. Then it's always helpful to establish thoughts that are helpful to aspire to. So what do I mean by that? Well, maybe you are not yet able to get over the comparison mindset, for example. You can aim to become more interested in the moment of running, in the moment-to-moment -moment experience. You can also be happy and proud about the progress you have already made. Now, again, I know that this doesn't come easily to everyone, and it didn't to me either about a decade ago, all right? So you really want to aspire to being able to doing these things. Another helpful belief is the idea that you, if you stick with running or whatever challenge it is, that things will come out of your training sessions or practice sessions that you didn't even know about yet. And that it would be really sad to throw that away. 
Now, here are some of the positive aspirational beliefs and techniques that I employed. So, number one was understanding the runner that I want to be whenever possible. I can't and I don't want to be the fastest runner, but I can be one of the happiest runners. Now, if you think, ah, who wouldn't want to be the best? Look, if, if I were the fastest runner in my category or something, I would have to run all day. And I like running a lot, but I like psychology more. So there you go. I don't really want to be the fastest person. I want to love and be loved by nature when I'm out running. I like the feeling of being fit. I want to inspire others. I put an effort into smiling and greeting everyone and say thank you to spectators. Why? Because I want people to experience that running is fun. And running is also an outlet to contribute to the world in a positive way. Again, if I thank people and if I thank supporters and I make them feel appreciated... And I make people smile. And who knows? Maybe there's some overweight 70-year-old girl somewhere standing there seeing me and thinking, wait a minute, maybe this is not all bad. And maybe I can even do this one day. Another thing I did was using my strengths each time I went running. And I do this to this day. So number one for me was appreciation of beauty. I'm lucky enough to live next to a river and there's quite a bit of greenery here, and there are ducks and birds and dogs and all kinds of animals around. And I appreciate that. I make sure I also appreciate the feeling of wind, breeze, the reflections on the water. And that leads me to feeling gratitude, which is also one of my strengths. Then when I go out, I go out with a sense of optimism and hope. I also use my perspective and self-compassion when things are not going the way that I want them to go. And sometimes it's not easy to know the line between, you know, should I stop now because something is actually hurting and I'm, I will damage myself if I continue? Or is this just my mind playing tricks on me because it's feeling a bit lazy today? And that needs quite a bit of perspective and self-compassionate perseverance, as I call it to learn the difference and running can help us with that and kindness of course believe it or not even if you're generally the slowest runner on the block every once in a while a fellow runner needs you these needs can be very different now i don't remember which race it was but i distinctly remember that a guy was really struggling and he was jogging very slowly and then sometimes walking and for some reason he glanced back and i saw immediately what was happening his ego could not let him lose against this overweight girl running at a turtle's pace. So whenever I came close, he started sprinting. Now, it's easy to feel insulted by something like that or to start getting super competitive as well. But I need to keep my pace steady because otherwise I will not finish the race myself. So I just kept going and every time he looked back, I smiled. And we kept this up for the remainder of the race. And at the end, I said to him, I'm like, hey, you owe me a thanks because I made you faster. And I said it with a grin and he came over and hugged me. And for some reason, I felt, I just felt happy that I had added something positive to his race. And 
I could be insulted by the fact that people don't want to be overtaken by me, or I can be honored that I can get the chance to help them finish better, and that's completely up to me. Then I use my strength of mindfulness and my strategic thinking. So what I did was I was very aware of powerful associations. So when two things, thoughts or feelings, frequently occur together, they are linked. So I made a concerted effort to link as many positive things to running as I could. So when negativity came up, I would observe it, but I wouldn't give it special attention. You're welcome to be here, I would say, to my anger or my, my laziness or something like that. You're welcome to raise your issues and I will take notes and deal with them at a time when I'm not running. And I actually did this if there was something that was really bugging me, which rarely happened. Then I also used music as a way to reinforce running. So there are certain songs, they have become running songs for me and every time I hear them, I want to go out. Then there's this thing about community. So fellow runners, you might be surprised how many people that you know who are runners and you might not know this until you become a runner yourself and you start talking to people. Now for me, small talk bores the crap out of me. So there are only two exceptions, soccer and running. And both of these are surprisingly good for bonding with people. It's also good because fellow runners are also kind of part of that community, even if they are strangers. And of course, there are some people who are very self-involved and they don't care about you, but there are others who are not. They are just as supportive and they also want you to succeed. And it's nice to feel part of that. And there are also people who pass you while you train or spectators at a race, and they all kind of are part of this experience. Now, another thing that I found that running does is it provides space. So it's one of the few times when most of us are by ourselves and nobody's telling us what to think. Running provides an open space that we otherwise don't have in our thoroughly scheduled lives. To me, I am mentally engaged with appreciation, gratitude, and mindfully perceiving what is going on at the moment while I'm running. Even if I'm preoccupied with a problem, and running would theoretically provide me with the space to think through a problem, those kind of thoughts go away naturally without any effort and are replaced by mindful appreciation, simply because I made a point of focusing on that every time I went out, and after a while it kind of becomes automatic, almost. Some people find it valuable to think through problems, and if that works for you, that's great. But if you're considering running, I would discourage that, simply because subconsciously there's the risk that you will associate running with your problems. Now, the measure of whether you should think through your problems or not while you're running is to look at your feelings. So if you feel good and relieved, then it helps. If you feel exactly the same like when you started running, it actually means that your thoughts destroyed the positive feelings that quite naturally accompany running. Another thing is that it that running can provide a darker a space for my darker side, and I don't mean like dark dark. Now, this kind of emotional moderation might not work for everyone, but I have noticed that if I indulge in childish thoughts within clearly defini- defined boundaries, they seem to bubble up less overall. So when, my, when I'm on a run and it's snowing or raining like crazy and I'm not in my usual appreciative running mood and I just really like to reaffirm 
what a badass I am. And imagine all the lazy suckers curled up at home. Oh yeah. Now I don't think of nun runners like that usually, but it somehow helps me get through really crappy weather. So I permit myself those thoughts every once in a while. So if you're not into running and don't want to try it, what can you take away from this episode? Well, I have started running the same way that millions of others have. I used a free program called Couch to 5K. And the idea is that you train three times a week. In the first week, you run one minute and walk two minutes and you do this three times a week. The second week, you do 90 seconds each, again, three times. Then you gradually build up until you stop walking and run the whole time. And you can apply this logic to anything that is challenging. I think if you would put your together a nine-week program where you do whatever it is that you're trying to do three times a week, and you start with something that is doable and mix the challenge and the relaxation, the way that the running parts and the walking parts are interchanged, that really helps. And if you commit to that plan, you're off to a pretty solid start. Now, the mindset topics that I thought about refer to other things as well. So applying the ideas of the growth mindset to your particular challenge is always helpful. So is using your strengths, identifying less helpful thoughts and substituting them with more helpful ones. Then, of course, it also helps when you appreciate what is happening instead of being unhappy about not reaching unrealistic goals. Being open to the idea that benefits can come from regular practice and merging self-compassion with perseverance. So, by the way, I have a few running clips prepared from you from the time leading up to my first marathon, half marathon attempt that was at the end of August. All right, so I'm at the Color Run in Zug. And it's the 21st of August. And this is very different from other races that I've been to. For the first, you know, number one, we have race bibs, but there are no names on them. There are no numbers on them because they don't want to encourage competition, which is kind of sweet. So there are no race numbers, but there's only you write your name on it and you can do it in whatever way you want. So I, I am not, I don't see myself as being extremely gifted at drawing or coloring have you spotted the fixed mindset there by the way so i just used a couple of highlighters and and wrote my name in different colors and it looks actually more creative than quite a few people here so i'm kind of proud of myself and it's also different in other ways so you can tell for some weird reason there are barely any like most of the people here are teenage girls now i'm not sure why teenage boys don't want to have fun God knows why, um, and there are some grown-ups, most of them seem to be parts of family, like, I don't know, I, I, I apparently live in a very serious country, or they just don't have a clue that this race exists. It's actually endearingly small, it's, it's tiny, they, they're freaked out, you know, they're like, oh, you need your t-shirt, all right, uh, let's figure that out, let's get it out of the car, <laughs> but it's, it's really sweet, and now he just gave us a couple of instructions of what we have to do, so the first thing that happens is, after the... When, when, when we start, basically, we will run through like a light shower of some mysterious fluid. And that fluid is designed to make sure that the color sticks. Otherwise, the color powder would just not stick. And believe me, I'm really excited because I love everything that is colorful. So 
that's that for now. Oh, by the way, of course, it's called the color run. But of course, they don't expect anybody to run. The, the race is finished after three hours for 5K. And even for someone who, you know, runs like a turtle, like me. I mean, I, I even have a t-shirt which says that I run like a turtle going through peanut butter or something like that. But still, I run. So even I do that, but... <laughs> Usually if I do 5K, I'm, you know, I'm done by like 45 minutes or something. And they give you three hours. So, so they decidedly want us to have fun. And it's kind of sweet to look because I did spot now one boy or one or two boys. Um, and one of them says winning is for losers, <laughs> which I think is kind of hilarious. Uh, other than that, you can tell it's not a terribly serious race because of the, like, I don't know, like 100 or 200 people who are here. There are only two of them are warming up and nobody else is doing that. Everybody else is like, yeah, whatever. But don't worry, we will be safe. We will be happy because they will have a, a warm-up for everyone. But it's kind of funny because, you know, if you go to a regular race, everybody's warming up and, like, being really serious and focused on what's going on. And here people are like, no, they're, they're, they're painting, they're coloring their shirts. That's basically their preparation. So if I think of it, if I, if I think of it, I'll, I might take out my phone and do something in the middle, but I'm not sure because I'm a bit scared that my phone will, will kind of get too colorful, you know, more colorful than is healthy for it. Oh, and can I say how excited I am that they're playing the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> that is my generation, baby. Alrighty. Talk to you later, bye-bye. All right, so we're in the middle of it, and I already got my first layer of colors, and lesson number one, don't open your mouth when you run by the color people. Just for me to you. Thank God it's organic color, so I'm not gonna be poisoned forever. Talk to you later. All right, so lesson from, from the second kilometer. If you slow down and you're not with everybody else, you get the whole bottle of color just for yourself. <laughs> I think I've never felt this close to a dragon. I think there's powder in pretty much any orifice of my body. And I believe I will be coughing up, you know, pink and yellow and green and blue and uh, for, for probably another week. But it was totally worth it. Later. Okay, lesson number, I don't know what, I've lost track. Um, in the morning, I was like, oh, I'll get the oldest clothes that I have. And but I thought, no, 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 I'm fine. I'll just take my jeans and then I'll take them off and, and run in something different. And that's, of course, what I did. But now I just found so much joy out of all these colors that I just got all of them and put them on my jeans anyway. And I feel like a naughty kid because I'm going to see my mom afterwards and she's probably going to freak out and I'm going to ride in the train and just pretend like nothing is happening. But I look like I'm like fell into a big powder, colorful, like rainbow unicorns, god baby powder kind of thing. So that's awesome. Okay, so that was a last minute scare. The bus is in Rome. The Throughout the day, I was quite happy with the public transportation, but for some reason, uh, the bus didn't come for like 40 minutes, and I broke a little bit of a sweat. I was kind of worried that I wouldn't make it, but now I made it in time. 
and uh, yeah, I can see the difference between the color run and here. I mean, there's way more people to begin with, way more men, and they're all stretching and running up and down stairs, and they mean business. They're here to set records. They're not here... I mean, some of them might want to have fun, but I think this is more serious. That's what it comes across like, at least. There are no jokester shirts or anything like that. No, no sweet slogans. Yeah, let's see what happens. It's um, almost 10 o'clock, and it's still pretty warm. So I'm actually looking forward to the later, later, you know, when it's to, uh, past midnight. Part, it starts at 10, so I'm looking forward to the part of the race where it's like 11.30 or 12. And uh, I hope there will be a breeze because, yeah, it's still pretty hot. Although for Romans, apparently it's not that hot at all. Okay, talk to you after the race. Bye-bye. All right. Goodness. Whew. I did it. I uh, finished my first half marathon. And it's uh, a little bit past one in the morning. And I'm sitting on a bench. Oh, and I'm trying to summon the strength to even walk to the taxi. But, oh, man. It's interesting. This um, this run was very different. Lots of concrete, city only, no nature. So it was different. And what I learned, or I mean, I've learned this during running, but today especially, is that effort is not something that works in a linear way, and neither does exhaustion. I was absolutely, I felt that I was done around mile five. Um, between mile five and mile six or mile eight probably, I was just, my goodness, I, I was so tired, I was, heat, feet were hurting and, but then I kind of remembered this weird mantra, release the Kraken, so I just released it and I released it you know, depending on the music I was listening to. So I was listening to John Bon Jovi's Billy Get Your Guns. So it was like Chrissy Let It Loose. <laughs> and that somehow cheered me up and uh, brought me to the finish line. Uh, not much more to say right now. I don't know what. All my blood is in my feet right now. Good night. People sometimes ask me whether I um, experienced the runner's high, and I'm not sure what to say. For me, it's more like a, a runner's gratitude, crying meltdown kind of thing, because if you, if you go to a race, and especially if you're the last, and you're a bit, or, you know, overweight, I don't want to say a bit, like, visibly overweight, and people look at you, and... And they just cheer you on. You're their, you're their underdog. They, everybody wants you to succeed, and I'm, I'm sure they want that with every runner. But if you're overweight, they're just like, man, you know, she's out there, she's doing it, and you feel that, you feel that positive energy, you know, and, and it's interesting because. <clears throat> At the beginning of a race, they, they cheer so much, and it's amazing, but at the middle, 
usually it's just me because all the other runners have left long ago and in those during those times I'm just completely in the moment you know I'm I can't say I'm high but I'm just really really present I'm I'm noticing the snails on the road and today there was even a rainbow and I was looking out for a deer, whether I'd see them or not, because this was an evening run. Didn't see any. And sometimes at the most unexpected places, sometimes you just hear this freaking roar. And then you just notice that just around the bend there's some kind of restaurant. And, and everybody just noticed that you're still running after one and a half hours or something. And yeah, frankly, I don't look like the person who could pull that off. So... The hardest thing up until about kilometer 10 or 11 for me on a good day. You know, there are some hard days when running is just hard. And I tend to think that the beginning is harder than than the middle. And almost the end gets hard sometimes again. But I, yeah, I, I really <laughs> have to fight back the tears. <laughs> like now. <laughs> because people are so good perfect strangers none of them know me and they're all cheering for me and you know if if we can do that for a race that goodness is in us you know we can we can do it during the rest of our lives and that is so much deeper, so much deeper than, you know, just losing weight or anything like that. You know, it's, it really is so much more powerful. I, I can assure you, you know, if you, I don't know, if you want to lose weight or something, that might get you into running. But it's not what keeps you there, I can assure you. There is so much more awesomeness that that keeps you running. And you learn about yourself, you know. After about kilometer 11, feet start hurting. And, you know, I always talk about self-compassion. And, and I do that even when I'm a runner. I, I thank my body, you know that despite anything but the perfect runner's physique, it takes me through this. And when my, you know, some point your feet start to hurt or your ankle starts to hurt. And, and I just say like, hey, thank you, my dear ankle. You've, you've done a lot today. And I promise that if you still hurt in 10 minutes, I you are more important to me than the race. So if you still hurt, I'm gonna stop in 10 minutes. And you know what happens? <laughs> Somehow the ankle feels acknowledged, <laughs> or the foot. And that doesn't say that the pain goes 100% away, but it somewhat recedes. And you can go on, and then another part of your body's like, when are we going to stop? And 
And I'm just like, yeah, soon, soon, my dear, soon. Again, same rule. I'm not going to hurt you just for one race. Don't worry about that. So that's what I got to say today. This was a 14K. It was one of my longest. I'm not sure if it's my longest run or not. The one which I thought was my longest run, somebody said they didn't measure it properly, so I really don't know what my record is up to now. But it's definitely my sec it's definitely in the top three. And it feels good. It gives me a little bit of confidence that, that I can, you know, that I have a shot in Rome. But, man, my feet, I will, my feet, my ankles, I hope those buddies hold on. Because another... 7K, that's not nothing, I tell you. I'm pretty knackered now, so cheers. Every day, you step into the shower. You wouldn't leave the house without doing it for days or even weeks, would you? And no matter whether you want to or not, you need this as well. But what about cleaning out our mind? What about making sure that all that's toxic is removed on a regular basis? What habits do you use to ensure your emotional hygiene? How do you make sure that the psychological wounds you suffer are disinfected properly and don't end up threatening your mental health? Maybe you're just blessed with knowing these things, and if that's the case, good on you. But if you're not, wouldn't it make sense to build up emotional habits that help your mental hygiene? Brainwash takes you through these habits in a convenient 21-day program where you'll learn how to wash, floss, and moisturize your brain so 2017 will not have to stink the way 2016 did. Check out gum.co slash brainwash. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>